and welcome. You are listening to the Healing After Birth podcast. This is Jennifer Sommerfeld from JS Coaching, author and creator of the Healing After Birth program. This podcast is for you if you can relate to any of the following statements. Are you a mother who is struggling in the postpartum? Did you have a difficult, challenging, or traumatic childbirth experience? Do you want to learn more about postpartum mental health? Do you want to cultivate healthy, thriving relationships? And do you want to take charge of your healing journey? This podcast includes both interviews by professionals in the field of maternal health, as well as vulnerable stories shared by everyday mothers like you. Let's begin. Hello and welcome to the Healing After Birth podcast. This is your host, Jennifer Sommerfeld. And in today's episode, I'm have with me a team, uh, two soul companions who are doing amazing work together uh, in the world of conscious parenting, and I'm very excited to introduce them. So let me begin with their bios. Today I have with me Dr. Vanessa Lapointe, who is a mom, a registered psychologist, a parenting educator, and best-selling author inter- and international speaker, and regularly invited as a media guest. She is the founder and director of the Wishing Star Lapointe Development Clinic. She has been supporting families and children for almost 20 years and has previous experience in community mental health and the school system. While navigating the journey of parenting her own two children, including the restructuring of her family through divorce, Dr. Vanessa has been challenged to grow herself up. From this awakened place, she journeys along on a path that lands for herself and her family, all of which has profoundly changed her life and is a significant influence on her speaking and practice. We also have with us David Loist who has been studying and teaching about parenting for over 30 years as a speech language pathologist and autism consultant, and has been practicing with his own children for more than 20 years. David noticed that the common behaviorist parenting techniques of consequences and timeouts that he initially advocated did not work and also seemed to cause an increase in anxiety and stress. These observations led David to the study of developmental attachment parenting. Beyond his professional practice, David noticed as a parent that he didn't always implement what he intended. By his own challenges to learn about the workings of his mind and how to care for himself so that he could truly lead and care for his children. Both Dr. Vanessa and David trust that sharing their unique personal and professional perspective will help you find your path for your own growth and for the growth of your children who are counting on you. So I want to welcome both Dr. Vanessa and David to today's podcast. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. So 
Um, David and I, we first met at the Gordon Neufeld conference here in Edmonton, Alberta, actually, and had a real, uh, just a wonderful connection and conversation, which then he introduced me to Dr. Vanessa's work. And it's just been a really nice fit ever since. So I thought it would be wonderful to have both of you on this podcast to talk about parenting and the work that both of you do. Um, so Dr. Vanessa, can I call you Vanessa or would you like, you can, okay. <laughs> I want to be a doctor too. <laughs> I always check. I only make people I don't really like call me that. So. <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> well, um, yeah. So Vanessa, I thought I would start with you and maybe you can tell our listeners a little bit about who you are, what you do, and what really lights you up about the world of parenting. Mm. So I'm a psychologist by training, and I'm a mom and a human being with a giant heart journeying forward um, in the broader sense of life. And I came into this whole world of psychology kind of um, not really getting that holistic lens and through the experiences that I've had with my client families and the experiences that I've had in my own personal journey I've really kind of walked forward into this place of fitting together this idea that we are all here on the planet in this uh, lifetime that is ours evolving in the way that we're meant to evolve and I have um, really the most incredible honor in terms of what lights me up of seeing parents and especially their children on their own growth journeys and one thing that I have learned for sure in the work that I do is that kids have incredible capacity incredible resilience that development is a really beautifully powerful force and I double dog dare you to just try and get in the way of it mm-hmm. um, because they're, they're put on this this earth to grow and that's our job is to journey alongside mm. well I want to pick up on that piece about what you've what you've seen in terms of this beautiful innate wisdom and resilience that resides in all of us obviously because we mm. were we were all children too mm. um, but also in in the children you work with um, but before we do that jumping in and inviting David here to introduce himself and tell our listeners a bit about who he is and what lights him up Thank you. Um, Well, I can't stop hearing what Vanessa just said and comment on that. So I'm going to put that in the context, I suppose. And what really lights me up now, I suppose, is something that Vanessa was talking about uh, with development. It's a real thing. And um, one of the um, uh, phrases that Dr. Neufeld uses is coming alongside. And so I really see my work with Um, uh, children with autism coming alongside their development, being able to see them for who they are, uh, how tall their brain is, not how tall their body is Mm. and, and uh, come alongside nature to develop uh, that brain, that unique brain. And really that's, uh, you know, that's the challenge that I, I, I continue to experience with my kids who are 22 and 20. Um, They're very unique children um, there, there's a wonderful book about orchid and dandelion children and, uh, dandelion children are very resilient. Uh, they, they come to the world that way, if you will. Um, and I think that was, um, that, that in many ways describes my daughter, uh, and her path through, uh, the school system, 
Um, and she could like a dandelion, just kind of grow anywhere. It didn't really matter the teacher. Whereas my son, Hmm. um, had a, a a much more sensitive constitution from the get go. Uh, and, uh, the way his, uh, brain and his heart work, um, works, uh, are very different. Um, uh, he had a very challenging, uh, move through the school system and that challenged me to, uh, look at, um, my parenting, Hmm. uh, and challenged me to look at the environments we put him in, uh, to find the best environments for him to grow. Um, and um, now he's studying opera in Toronto and is hmm. rocking it. Uh, but it wasn't a straight line. It wasn't a straight path. So I think that that's probably what lights me up these days the most and what I speak about, not only with children with autism, but with um, parents of typical kids. Okay, who's your kid? How do you come alongside nature to, to best uh, grow them up? And mm. uh, the best way to do that is uh, to grow you up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you said that because I also align with that principle that it's important that as parents, we're doing our work alongside our children, right? So checking Mm -hmm. in constantly (laughs) to wake Mm -hmm. ourselves Mm -hmm. up um, as, as we're supporting our children along the way. Okay, so before I really dive into some of the things that both of you have just said, please tell us how you work together because I think that might be the best place for us to have a conversation from and then maybe I'll have individual conversations with both of you again Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, because each of you also do amazing unique work um, separate from one another so let's talk about the work you're doing together sure I can jump in on that David and I um, have known one another for quite a long time in a professional sense and more recently have merged our lives together um, personally as well. And so the work that we have uh, been doing together really brings uh, all of our professional experience to the forefront and, um, and, and blends that with a lot of our personal growth and developmental kinds of experiences. And so we uh, do a lot of presenting to different groups of what we call big people, whether they're moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and aunties and uncles, uh, or caregivers or teachers or any sort of big person that's charged with the responsibility in one way or another of growing up another little human. Um, And we talk with them about what we call developmental attachment conscious parenting. And Mm -hmm. so those three pieces and how we can bring the incredible knowledge and um, wealth of combined experience uh, to bear on how we understand our children, how we see them. It's our feeling that if we can see our children anew through the lens of developmental attachment conscious parenting, um, that we can change everything. In fact, um, it really is my belief that if we were to do that for just one generation, we would change the world. Mm. I agree. And David, can you tell us a bit about what developmental attachment conscious parenting means? Yeah. So when Vanessa and I started, um, before we started working professionally, uh, uh, we had a personal relationship. And um, so this is maybe a little too much information behind the scenes. How do we work together? I told you it's not that kind of podcast. That's right. Okay. Oh, okay. So this is the PG version. Okay. I'll give you the PG version. Uh, so uh, I was at one of her workshops and I was watching her present hmm. and we had been discussing 
um, a lot about uh, developmental attachment parenting um, and completely on side with that. And Vanessa's first book, uh, Discipline Without Damage, is a, a great book on attachment parenting. And as I was watching her, um, her presentation, I, I, I was struck and we were both struck that there was <clears throat> something that um, uh, was, was missing in a way. And that missing piece was our intentions don't always line up with our actions. Hmm. Uh, that sometimes we uh, know what it is that we want to do. And then uh, our father jumps out of our mouth or our mother <laughs> jumps out of our mouth. And we're like, what, where is that? What is that? <laughs> and so um, uh, <laughs> in the middle of the night, I kind of had an aha moment. Uh, Vanessa's mantra in her, in discipline without damage is uh, um, see, see it, feel it and be it. And see it is see the, the behavior that your child has, feel it, feel behind uh, the behavior, what's really going on inside. Mm. And then once you get that, you actually really know what to do. So we don't have to tell you as parent coaches what to do. Um, the real question is, how should I be? Mm. Now, what I noticed in that was that's really great, but that works half the time for me and most of the parents that I've been dealing with for the last 30 years, because what happens is our kids often do something and then it triggers us. <laughs> It makes us a little crazy and we kind of lose our cortex and jump into our limbic system and then we knee-jerk react. Um, and so what the conscious attachment parenting is really just noticing, oh, first of all, I perceive it. I am triggered. I have an emotional response. And I know neurologically the blood flow is leaving my prefrontal cortex and going to my <laughs> limbic system. So maybe this is the wrong time for me to say or do something. So then... Um, uh, oftentimes what I can do to be conscious about that is to, to be in a, a space of listening, listening to myself, noticing my emotions, um, maybe not uh, reacting and uh, puking those emotions on my child, but giving myself sense or giving myself a little bit of time to evaluate that, to understand that. Sometimes I need to uh, say, I'm going to come back to you on this. I need to think about this. And I need to go angry fold clothes for an hour <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and then <laughs> process that and then come back and 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 connect and and uh, be the attachment parent that I want to be. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that I I roll over and kids get whatever they want. That's not what we advocate. But it comes from a place of not um, needing a quick fix so that I discharge this whatever emotion I have, because those emotions are often uh, signals to me that those are the places that I need to grow myself up. Mm -hmm. You know, why is this not neutral for me? It actually mm -hmm. has nothing to do with my child. It mm -hmm. has something to do with my history and, mm -hmm. and it's there for my growth. Mm -hmm. So I would say that that's kind of how we work together. Um, and that's the, the conscious piece that we, we have now come to um, uh, put forward in our parenting 2.0 workshops. Yeah, that's super well articulated. And two things popped out for me. One is this notion that I often talk about, which is um, having boundaries with our heart wide open. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And mm -hmm. when we really step into what that means, and, and mm. especially as a parent, right, it means this idea of really experiencing the love mm. and the connection that exists and also noticing that 
there needs to be a boundary or there needs mm-hmm. to be a no or mm-hmm. you know so i'm thinking also in relationships like adult relationships but of course mm-hmm. um, child parent relationships as well so that popped up for me you're welcome to mm-hmm. comment if you want and then the other the other thing that's popping up for me that uh, i just want to put it out there is this idea of um growing yourself up i think is what you keep saying mm-hmm. right instead mm-hmm. of it, it just it's a spin on this notion that of course we're growing <laughs> mm. or maybe mm. we don't right many of us remain stunted so i'd i'd like to hear a bit maybe vanessa from you about about that yeah. term and how you see that mhm so david and i have really landed as one of the core um concepts that we talk about is the parenting mountain and how we're all kind of journeying along this mountain and the idea is that at the peak of the mountain there are beautiful mountain meadows and stunningly gorgeous views and so we all kind of desire to live at the peak of the mountain the challenge of course becomes that the slope on either side is very steep and so you have to kind of land on some form of balance to be able to stay situated at the peak of the mountain as the parent to your child. And what David and I have conceptualized as the balancing pieces, if you will, is that on the one side, you need to uh, be very firm as a parent. You must be able to move forward with um, attachment-informed discipline Mm. and boundaries and rules and norms and expectations and putting the bar where kids can jump and all of those kinds of things so that we are... um, really championing our children's growth that way. So on the one side Hmm. is firm and on the other side is kind, where at the same time as being firm and uh, in all the ways that it would be appropriate to be so, you also have this um, gorgeous big open heart um, that is very present and very alive and you're able to come forward with all sorts of nurturing care and provision and invitation and all of the pieces that go with that. And so when firm and kind can exist at the same time in equal measure, <laughs> if you will, then you stay balanced at the top of the mountain. However, <laughs> Why don't I jump in there? Often... And, then, <laughs> and this ahead, is then. kind of the way Vanessa and I work as well. Mm-hmm. Is, is... <laughs> now you're going to get the full <laughs> goods, the real there's, deal. <laughs> well, there's a, there's a he said, she said kind of aspect to that. So there's a a yin and yang experience of this. Um, And so uh, Vanessa described the the top of the mountain. Well, life happens and we don't always stay at the top of the mountain. Sometimes our kids do something like yell at us or tell us we're, we're cheap or we're not fair or they lie to us and we get all triggered. And so um, we often have this falling down of the mountain that lands us in the swamp. And if you are, On the firm side of the mountain, and again, the top would be to have boundaries, to have discipline, Um, but also, as you said, Jennifer, to to mix that with an open heart and love. Well, when we're in our stuff, we we fall down. And so we can fall down on the firm side. And that tends to uh, be um, parenting uh, by bullying. Uh, We get yelly, shouty, and there are uh, consequences, and um, we we lose ourselves in frustration, if you will. Uh, So we actually lose that heart-centered. We lose the kindness. We lose the equanimity um, that our children uh, would like and need for them to lean in on us. If you Mm. can imagine... Uh, that we are uh, an alpha parenting, we are this strong, and you heard Dr. Neufeld talk about this, 
We are this strong uh, vertical uh, post that kids can then lean in on and depend on. And they need that throughout their lives for their growth. Well, if we're being yelly shouty, they can't lean in on us. They actually run away and they write themselves and then they develop what's called an alpha complex. They become, they become uh, in having everything just so um, because they, they are trying to grow themselves up then because they can't lean in on us. So that's falling down the firm mm. side. Falling down on the other side, the mm. kind side, uh, often looks like somebody turns into a jellyfish, <laughs> becomes very overwhelmed and passive and, okay, fine, whatever. Um, and um, they can't hold on to their no, even though they know it's the right thing to do to have this boundary, this rule, if you will. Um, they can't hold on to it because they become overwhelmed. Um, and that is uh, also not a place where kids can lean in on because every time they go to lean, you kind of waffle and they fall in their face and then they think they do it themselves. So, um, so there is both of this falling down that can happen at any time. And it's usually in that falling down that we find out, okay, why? Why can't I hold on to you know, Why mm -hmm. do I yell? Why do I shout? Um, and then we uh, uh, set an intention to fail better next time. <laughs> mm. Okay, I'm, go I'm going to interject with a question that um, isn't, well, is coming up for me. And it has to do with parenting toddlers, because this seems to be where a lot of us, well, toddlers and teens, right? But a lot. <laughs> right. <laughs> so let's same, start same. with the toddler. And, and so there seems to be this idea right that are uh, maybe I'm making this up so correct me if I'm wrong but my understanding is there's this idea that you know we need to be ahead of the game we need to be on top of quote controlling or managing our child's behavior and and there is an and and you know those of us who are from the attachment parenting realm have a little bit of a different perspective on that but overall you know, toddler parenting is really exhausting because we're working really hard with this notion that we're constantly needing to manage their behavior. Because if we don't, and my guess is there's an underlying belief that they'll turn out bad. Mm -hmm. um, and so what would you say to or to our listeners who have toddlers about raising toddlers. So I may or may be totally off the mark on that, but that's my experience of it. Um, what do you have to say to that? Um, I think if we look at that and kind of go backwards to the beginning of this interview, where we were talking about the grow you, so mm -hmm. you can grow them mm -hmm. idea that development is, is a real thing and it's a beautiful thing as much as it may be a really overwhelming and at times frustrating thing. And so toddlers behave the way that we do if we just sort of really step out of our own personal narrative mm -hmm. about it and view toddlerhood for what it really is. They're behaving that way because they have <laughs> to behave mm -hmm. that way. They don't actually, they by design have an immature brain that is not as yet fully developed. They have very little capacity for internal self-regulation and so need quite a bit of um, regulation from the outside via that attachment mm. bridge. Um, and so all of the things that toddlers do um, that can kind of push our buttons or get us going are uh, things that they must 
do in order to grow. And the other thing is that toddlerhood is a time of beautiful Mm. emergence where our children for the very first time get to step into the light of knowledge that they are their own separate person. And so they start to emerge into this understanding of themselves as their own separate person and me do self (laughs) and know becomes sort of the core vocabulary around that emergence of self. And don't we all want for our children to become their own selves? And don't we all want for our children to continue along that developmental journey? So they must melt down in the middle of the grocery store when you say no to the Kinder Egg for the 14th time. And they also must come forward with these, what we can sometimes label as sort of, um, stubborn or difficult behaviors uh, because that's how they become their own person. And so when we see that and we view it very um, developmentally, it's actually quite a neutral Mm -hmm. experience, Mm -hmm. right? The challenge becomes when we overlay our own um, personal programming onto the experience of parenting the toddler. And as you um, asked that question, there is languaging around it that sort of starts to reveal to us what is that programming? Well, we have a fear that we're not going to Mm. do it right. We have a fear that we we won't be Mm. good enough. We have a fear that our kid is going to fail at this thing (laughs) called life if we don't jump in and get on top of all of this. And if our kid fails at this thing, then it means that we failed at this thing and then everybody will judge us for being the bad parents. See, we have all of these programs that we are running underneath the surface. And when those programs pop up and we go back to see it, then feel it, then be it, it is upon us to feel it first for ourselves and to recognize that any frustration we have, any anger we have, any reaction we have that is other than neutral or positive is coming forward from within us, our own programming, which likely stems back to the time when we were children and our minds were Mm -hmm. programmed as a result of the environment that we Mm -hmm. grew in. If I could just add. Yes, and just before you do, David, Vanessa, do you have an earring on? Yeah, an anything hearing. that's rub- no, but I have okay. <laughs> I'm hearing something <laughs> rubbing up against the mic, so I just mm. wanted to. Okay, it might be um, okay. my hair. Allow me to. Okay, adjust. while you're doing that, that, David. That yeah, I don't know me or or if it's Vanessa, but I can yeah. still hear it there. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, it'll be what it is. We'll have to just be okay. with, be with that. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Um. Okay. Shall I go? Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to add a couple of things to what Vanessa has said. Uh, The first is um, that there is an assumption that um, behavior equals growth. So my two-year-old who doesn't share is not behaving well. And so what I need to do is get them to share and say sorry. And then that will lead to the growth of, of that. Now, there's two problems with that. One, never in the history of ever has uh, any two-year-old ever had a toy taken from them and given back to another child and said sorry with true remorse? (laughs) They're told to say sorry. They have the behavior of saying sorry, but there's no sorry in their sorry. Why? Because as Vanessa mentioned, they don't have the neurological capacity for that at that point in time. They haven't developed that yet. So uh, applying these adult rules and roles to their behavior just doesn't work. 
And what happens is they actually feel wrong for being who they are. Mm -hmm. So they actually feel ashamed for who they are. And if you've read um, Brene Brown's book, uh, Dare Greatly, she talks about shame a lot and, and notices that it's never a compass for, for moral good. <laughs> but in fact, what it does is uh, it's much more uh, likely to cause things like bullying and addictions and violence uh, than it is to be the solution to that. Uh, so we, we need to really be careful about expecting our kids to behave in ways that they're developmentally not able to do. So if you had a different lens on that, if you had a two-year-old who didn't share, it doesn't mean that they go around stealing everything from everyone. What it is, is an opportunity for them to grow a part of their brain called adaptation. And this is massive throughout our life. In fact, the kids who grow up to be the most adaptive are actually the most resilient and persistent because you fall down and you get back up. So what the opportunity is, if you see it from a developmental perspective, is the toy then gets taken away and returned to the other child. And now your child is very upset that they don't get to play with the red car that they just took. I know, sweetheart, that, that's not your red car. It's <laughs> not yours to play with. And they get to have this experience of being very mad and frustrated. But if we're staying at the top of the mountain, then we can hold the space for them. We can allow them to feel those feelings, which are very important. And they need to then have the time to go from mad to sad to calm. Hmm. If you actually hold the space for a little toddler, you'll notice their <laughs> hot, angry tears transform with time into the soft, sad <laughs> tears. And then if you hold them and are an agent of comfort hmm. uh, in that moment, then they wipe their tears away and off they go and back they go again. So really what they're practicing in that moment and what the opportunity is in development is to develop the ability to self-regulate. Mm. Now, when we say, no, that's not yours, give it back, then um, what happens is they have this feeling of frustration, but in order to stay attached and connected to you, which is their greatest need, mm -hmm. so they'll behave in order to stay in right relationship with you. What they learn is when I'm frustrated, I have to stuff that down. I have to push it down. Uh, and that's the only way that I stay in right relationship. And that as a model for relationship in the future, um, I'm not surprised that we have divorce rates approaching 60%. I'm not mm. surprised that we have bullying. I'm not surprised that we have violence all over the place mm -hmm. because that's not a good way to transform frustration. Stuffing it down uh, just actually makes it worse. So, um, so I think uh, what Vanessa said as well, the, there's an opportunity for growth, but I think primarily if we just all saw what toddlers not sharing was all about <laughs> and understood the opportunity rather than the, uh, oh, no, they're going to behave like this. They're never going to share if I don't do something right now and, and punish them. Um, if we understood that, then it actually is not as much of a grind. Honestly, I, I mean, I work with children with autism and they have lots of challenges with transitions and all kinds of things. And now I've got it in my head. Now, when I see it and some a child's having a meltdown, I'm like, oh, this is so great. They get to build their adaptive mind. And I don't actually find it tiresome and, and overwhelming and frustrating. I actually see it as an opportunity. And sometimes I even think in my head, 
wow, that's not even as good as the one I saw at, at 9 a.m. this morning. Dude, you got to, you know, build up your game. So it actually is, it's, it's a little bit fun, if I could say that, just by having a new lens on it, just by understanding to see it differently. What do you both, either one of you, um, say to parents who are constantly and chronically overwhelmed by the, the work involved with being at the top of the mountain. I, I personally, um, I, I think I just listen to them. I find that if I can hear them and hear their chronic and their uh, upset and their anger, not collude them, not say you're right. Yeah. Mm. Being a parent to two-year-old twins uh, and a four-year-old with autism is way too much. I don't know how you do that. I don't find that very helpful. But if I could just really be with them and listen to them and hold the space. And again, there's no way out of that traffic circle. I can't change the world. No matter how much they turn up the volume, that's not going to change it. The only way for them uh, to come to any kind of change around that is for their own adaptation, mm. for their own tears. So um, a lot of times there's, there's some listening and there's some talking. And when I see a person get rid of all that, sometimes then they actually truly are saying, okay, what do I do? Mm. And that's when we uh, can use a tool like uh, Byron Katie's uh, inquiry process to look at their stressful thoughts, if you will, to look at their thinking about that. Um, but uh, I would caution any professional, uh, don't jump too quick to the tool to fix your thinking. Mm. Uh, people got to feel what they got to feel. And they, um, they, there needs to be a space where people can actually talk about that with somebody who's a good listener. Mm. Mm-hmm. And those kinds of experiences as a parent where things become so overwhelming and so frustrating and you feel so in it all the time, that is the gift of parenting. When we become parents, we, for the second time in our lives, re-enter the intimate space of the parent-child relationship. And um, we maybe don't realize it right away, but we've been in that intimate space of the parent-child relationship once before when we were Mm. children. And so becoming a parent can awaken within us a lot of the things that would have been challenging for us as children and bring that alive inside of us again. And we, in fact, become in a lot of ways emotionally regressed. So in those moments when we're really overwhelmed (laughs) and our kids are making Mm -hmm. us crazy and we begin to react, we are behaving like toddlers Mm -hmm. ourselves from that toddler place inside of us. And if I've learned um, anything personally and also professionally, it is that we will do for our children often what we would not do for ourselves. And it is upon us then to accept the invitation of our own growth journey that is leaping to the surface in the challenges of being a parent um, and grow ourselves alongside growing Mm. our children. Yeah, I'm just taking all of that in, and I'm, I'm, actually, what's happening is I'm I'm having a remembering of being a 23 year old to my first child, and mm. and of course, you know, wanting to do it the best that I could, and operating a lot on instincts, and reading alternative parenting books back then. Even at 23, this is going on 
19 years ago now, 20 years ago, actually. And, and, um, and, and realizing that I didn't have the tools and the emotional maturity to, to be able to be with what was arising to feel what was arising. Right. It was, I I was flipping the lid as Dan Siegel would say Mm. often Mm -hmm. um, because I had two under two and, and was big in the, you know, you should not be behaving that way. Now, Mm. the reason why I'm bringing this up is not because I'm sitting here feeling ashamed. I've definitely worked with a lot of that part of myself but because the more work I've continued to do on my own programming and my own inner growth, um, I've noticed that my relationship continues to change even with my teenage, early adulthood child and children. And, and so I want to bring it up because some of us might come into this later in the game and be like, shit, I've really ruined things, you know, <laughs> like mm. I, I shamed my child all the time. I expected them to behave a certain way because I wasn't conscious of my programming until now. And I'm in my forties or fifties. Um, and so I'm just thinking about the conversations I have with my 19 year old now about our lives, you know, and our, and who we are as people and how we see each other. And I'm just curious what you have to offer to those of us who can't go back in time, but, mm-hmm. but that there's still hope for these adaptations to still occur, for example. Yeah, one of the things that I've made my peace with, and I see it play out in my clinical practice, but also in my personal life, is that even though we may not see the perfection in our individual journeys, all of it is perfect, Mm. perfectly imperfect. It's all unfolding exactly the way that it's meant to. Um, And our job is to um, see what the invitations are in all of that. And uh, the other thing that I have witnessed is that it's never, ever too Mm. late to heal your family, to heal yourselves, and to... um, awaken to the journey that Mm. is possible in front of you even if you're you know 89 (laughs) years old totally (laughs) and you have uh, children who are grandparents now themselves it's still not too late to change a whole family system Um, and and I really believe that we all do the very best that Mm -hmm. we can in Mm. those moments I've you know spent the early part of my career working alongside child protection services here in Mm. BC and I you know met parents who a lot of people would look upon as arguably having done the worst possible things to their children they didn't want to it wasn't like they set out uh, to be that kind of a parent Um, and and it's never too late. It's never too late to step in and begin to get it turned around and journey mm, on forward. Thank you for that. I agree. Yeah. And, I think to yeah. the, the, the piece that is um, one of the things that happens in our workshops is we, we talk about the times that we fall down the mountain and what has happened. Mm. And, and I guess, uh, you know, to teach is to demonstrate. So I guess there is a, a demonstration in that moment. People can actually see it, whether we are ashamed and beating ourselves up when we tell the story or this is what happens. Mm. Even, you know, to people who have lots of years of experience and 
and many years of education, this, this stuff happens. And, and here's, here's the redo. Here's how we failed better next time. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think also the, the key is, and again, it's, not, it's a being, not a doing. Um, my daughter, uh, who's now 22, um, I think it was last Christmas, was really mad at me. Um, something happened and she lost her mind and got on the ferry and didn't say goodbye after, you know, a pretty lovely couple of days. And I, I had to remember a few key things. Mm-hmm. One, uh, we're never upset for the reason we think. <laughs> uh, <laughs> two, don't take anything personally, even if it's from your kid, uh, because it has nothing to do with you. It has mm-hmm. something to do with them. And we spoke a, a week later and in that conversation, there were lots of accusations and lots of pointed fingers from her and, and expressing her feelings. And my job in that case, just like this little two-year-old who's having a tantrum, was just to hold the space, to give her the sense of being heard and being seen. I get how you would feel that way. I get how that makes you feel. And so this is actually, I mean, it's the very same thing. Uh, there were there were angry tears and angry pointed fingers, and then those tears turned uh, soft and and accepting and adapting. Uh, didn't mean that the things that she was saying didn't go away from her, uh, go away for her, but they they transformed and now they they felt a little different, and she had a sense of accepting those things. And the other principle is relationship above all that. Uh, no matter what you ever say, uh, my dear darling daughter, no matter what you hmm. ever say, think, or do, I love you unconditionally now, forever, and for always. Hmm. And so if you can um, work yourself enough uh, and practice that enough, um, that when the game is on, when it's really on, when it's a Carnegie Hall kind of moment um, with your, your daughter who's screaming at you, uh, then... Um, it's never too late. It's never too late. Hmm. Well, thank you for sharing that story. That's a, it's a beautiful story and also encouraging, right? To say that hmm. yeah, never, our job never ends and it hmm. always comes back to this relational exchange. And I think for many of us who have had histories of poor attachment that, that idea, I, I notice anyways, even as a parent, right? The idea that no matter what, I'm in relationship with you mm-hmm. is a powerful um, teaching. So thank you. Um, so there's a couple things happening here. I'm running out of time um, because I need to go do a mothering thing. And, mm-hmm. um, and, I, and I would love to keep our conversation going. And like I said, I think I would... I think my listeners, too, would love to hear more from both of you because uh, what you're offering is incredible. Um, But but just to wrap things up, tell us a bit about what you are doing together and how people who maybe even aren't even local to B.C. can access information, can attend programs, can really dive into this because it's exceptional work that the both of you are are bringing to the world. David, do you want to jump on well, that? Well, I'm going to jump on that by by telling people uh, all the stuff that they can get of yours. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'll promote you. You can promote me. How's that? That's, um, that's awesome. Yeah. 
<laughs> so uh, Vanessa is a best-selling author, Discipline Without Damage, uh, as I mentioned, is one of the most accessible books on uh, developmental attachment parenting. I, I recommend it all over the place uh, to all of my families, even before we, we uh, shared our life together. Uh, so that's legit. Mm-hmm. Um, the, her next book uh, is uh, available on pre-order right now, Parenting Right from the Start. Um, and this book um, is exceptional uh, in uh, its uh, dealing with children, young children, toddlers, infants, uh, and all of the things that we talked about from a developmental perspective. And uh, she's added a lot of the, okay, what's it bringing up for you stuff? And it's, um, it's quite brilliant. It's, uh, it's the best book I've ever read on the subject, and I've read a lot of them. Um, so I would encourage you to do that. Uh, if you go on her website, drvanessalapointe.com, um, you'll find out about our Parenting 2.0 events. Last weekend, we had a, a summit in um, Vancouver, um, and uh, we had the wonderful Maggie Dent from Australia, and uh, our teacher, Gila Golub was there in addition to Vanessa and I. Uh, we'll be doing that regularly, and I think we'll be having more Parenting 2.0 days uh, as we move along. And Vanessa's got some... Um, Uh, video stuff that she's going to be uploading so you can uh, get online and do a course um, in all of this stuff. So um, yeah, yeah. Lots of stuff for people to get anywhere. Yeah. I can't, I can't wait (laughs) to integrate your, your books and your work into, into my stuff, my practice. Yeah. I love that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, David and I both do parent consultation work as well. And so there sometimes is opportunities for that to happen um, over the miles uh, via online connections. And so we're open to that. And I would just really, you know, one of the things that I've done as a parent and as a human is I have uh, very consciously decided how to consume social Mm -hmm. media Mm -hmm. and how to participate in the world of social media. And I endeavor to fill my feed with things that fill my soul mm. <laughs> and, and really seek to be part of that for other people as well. And so I would invite if anybody is um, in the world of social media to come and uh, hang out with me on Instagram or on Facebook, same with David, um, where we're posting uh, videos and, um, and reposting the work of others that we find inspiring so that your, your feed can be filled with that and um, thus your soul uh, filled with those kinds of things. And we'd love to connect with you all in that way as well. And and just to complete that, is there any other project, David, that you're working on, uh, especially with the working with children with autism? Yeah, so uh, I have a clinic here in the Vancouver area that I um, work with children. I also um, do a lot of traveling uh, and and support uh, school districts and private practitioners. So um, this fall, I'm headed back to Saskatchewan. Um, to work with uh, some school districts. One of them is um, a First Nations uh, band that I've been seeing for uh, several years. And and it's been a wonderful experience of um, not only talking about their work with children with autism, but uh, speaking about um, attachment-based parenting to uh, the teachers and the parents. Um, And and it's been a, um, a very... Uh, wonderful soul expanding experience to um, to be able to talk about attachment theory uh, and how that relates to the 60 scoop 
and residential schools and mm. uh, how that continues the legacy of those uh, breaks in attachment and breaks in relationship uh, continue to this day. And so um, uh, I'll be there in um, October and um, I have some private stuff going on in Calgary. And, and as Vanessa mentioned, uh, a lot of it is um, through online video conferencing and things like that. So um, that's kind of the other, the autism piece of what I do. Well, thank you for doing that work. That is incredibly important mm. work. And I will make sure that all of these links are up in the bios on the on the podcast. Uh, what's it called? You know, the part where I write stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> Show, Show notes. notes. People know what that is. <laughs> there you go. So I really want to thank both of you for taking the time to chat with me and really feel blessed that you're both in the world doing this work and mm. I can sense the passion and also, you know, I really align with it. So that makes it even extra exciting for me to know that there's a bunch of us out there who are deeply, deeply committed to helping people um, just wake up to the beautiful beautiful um beings that we are mm. yeah. thank you and um i uh i really appreciated your presentation in edmonton um uh at the conference and and also your book it's it's a it's a wonderful book yeah. uh and uh i encourage um of course all of your listeners will know about that uh but it it is just um i love how it uh, uh presents another perspective on um uh, caring and delivering and, and <laughs> raising uh, a young baby. It, it uh, really, I think, got to uh, quite the heart of the matter. Um, mm. So uh, again, Pat. yeah, very, very wonderful mm. work. And, and so, so happy for us to be able to uh, chat like this, to share our work, because certainly when I saw you and, and I read the book, um, uh, really uh, experienced that resonance. Mm. Well, I really appreciate that feedback. It's, it means a lot. And, and I know that we'll, we'll support one another. <laughs> and, Absolutely. And support yeah. these parents out there who are, who are tuning in. And, and I know that all of their hearts are in the right place. So, again, yeah, Beautiful. again, thank you so much. And I look forward to connecting again. Thank you, Jennifer. Thanks, Jennifer.